Greetings, heroes, and thank you for answering the Summoner's Call. Presented by the Gamers Inn, this is a podcast for all fans of Fire Emblem Heroes and the Fire Emblem franchise. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Eddie. How's it going, Eddie? Not too bad. Mm, that's good. Uh, I didn't mention it yet, but happy episode 100. We've been doing this for 100 episodes, Eddie. How does that feel? Yeah. Uh, bizarre. Okay. <laughs> All right. Not really uh, the B word I was going for, but uh, I'm trying to think of another B word. Uh, Only bad yeah, ones I'm come to say, mind. What B word were you going for? Bitchin'. I don't know. Do kids listen to this? Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just joking. Um, I think, uh, you know, when you, when I, whenever I look at podcasts that focus on one specific game, and uh and say we're gonna do a podcast about this game and it's gonna be dedicated and yes we've we've dabbled we've we've moved away from just fire emblem heroes but really fire emblem heroes is the core of this podcast and whenever people i hear about these podcasts that are about a specific game it's always it's always a tough sell because it's like well okay how long is that game gonna be around and honestly fire emblem heroes I didn't anticipate Nintendo sticking it out this long, let alone continue not seeing really an end to it. I, I don't think Fire Emblem Heroes has shown its tail yet. You know, I think it's still going strong and Nintendo's still supporting it. We'll see what this COVID-19 stuff does to the to the content. But so far, it's been fine. But yeah, um, I think this podcast to be able to do a weekly podcast about a specific game has not only helped me enjoy that game more and play more of that game but also just it's great to have that outlet to just talk about fire emblem when at least once a week i was gonna say whenever i want i mean that the discord's there for that but obviously talking about it once a week with you on the podcast has been has been a lot of fun so this is this is our we, we've been doing this show for two years uh you know two years and change which brings us to 100 episodes and uh yeah, I, I just I just wanted to note that so everyone was aware. Not that they would not see the title and see oh, 100 episodes. Um, but Eddie, how do you feel about you know the last two years of doing this show and and following Fire Emblem Heroes so closely and 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 talking about it on a, on a podcast? Uh, I've enjoyed it. I've always loved the Fire Emblem franchise. Um, but as I've mentioned previously, I've always been pretty bad about completing games at times um so it was nice to finally go back and when we started game club and go through shadow dragon mm-hmm. um we both made the decision because we were not enjoying conquest to drop that one but i was just gonna say uh game club has been awesome for finishing fire emblem games but <laughs> i mean you know we've we've had our our hits and misses with that and and i think there was only the one it was only conquest we knew going in people warned us they were like hey you know it's not it's not the greatest Fire Emblem, and it's pretty tough, and uh, it gets pretty grueling near the end. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, for me, it got to the point where it's like, this makes abs- your behavior makes absolutely no sense. Mm-hmm. That that Xander and them would behave like this at this point, much less that you know Corrin would behave like this at this point, and allow this stuff to happen is BS. You know, it just got to the point where it's like. I can't keep doing this stuff where, you know, you try and do a good thing and then just randomly Garen shows up and you decide, oh, I'm not going to even try it, even though you've been 
doing crap that he couldn't do for years and years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I mean, I've I've still really enjoyed Game Club, and it's and it's honestly uh, offered another layer to this show. And and I mean, I think uh, judging by our reception at Extra Lifetime to play Sacred Stones, uh, our listeners enjoy it as well. And I've always wanted to play Sacred Stones. I know I don't need an excuse to, but sometimes when you have a busy life and you have so many other games coming out, it's nice to have that sort of push, right? So I don't think I would have ever played Sacred Stones. I mean, look at, not to dive off into another realm here, but look at Final Fantasy VII. I've been saying for years to some of my PlayStation friends who have said, it's, you know, you've got to play it, you've got to play it. And I'm like, I waited for a remake you know to play that game that's uh that's just goes to show how what kind of kick in the butt i need to um play a classic but mm-hmm. i think you know when when i did when you know i reached out and we were going to start this show obviously fire emblem heroes being a, a core part of my mobile gaming was was a was a part of that but i think it was always just this appreciation for fire emblem and i've had a, a weird history with with the franchise in that Fire Emblem on the Game Boy Advance just sort of popped up out of nowhere and on a I didn't know what it was I just kind of picked it up uh on a on a LARF just like oh let's see what this is and because it was the Game Boy Advance and uh I had plenty of free time when that game came out and I just I enjoyed it I played it right from you know when it came out all the way into like college you know on my Game Boy uh SP you know before the I think even when the DS came out I was still kicking around with it and I think that Fire Emblem after that was always like I would always I would dabble with it until then Awakening came out and, and Awakening. I remember the weird thing about Awakening. I remember wanting to buy it. I remember going to Walmart and asking for it and the lady knew nothing of what I was talking about. And I mean, that can be chalked up to Walmart having, you know, staff in the video game section that don't know the releases. They just know how to open the cabinets, which is fine. Um and I just said, oh, well, it's supposed to come out. And I think I w- we were we had bought a house. So I was on the way to the lawyer's office out of town. And on the way, I stopped at Walmart to pick up this game. It wasn't there. So then I went to the lawyer's office. And then I looked on my phone and, was, oh, they were having stock issues. And they got held up. I think there was, a, there was some sort of strike going on at the time or a tsunami of some kind. Uh, totally different things. But and then I came back. And I, I actually went back into the Walmart and I said, oh, and just to see if it was there. But then I said to the ladies, like, oh, it's not here because of this reason. She's like, OK, we still don't mm-hmm. have it. Goodbye. <laughs> and that's when I downloaded it digitally. And I and the rest is history. The game is is fantastic. It was a return to form for a lot of people. You know, I dabbled with the GameCube and and uh, well, the GameCube version. And I I think I never touched the Wii one, but uh Ever since then, I've I've really really enjoyed the franchise, and I think Three Houses has been a a great return to form. I'm interested to see what they do in the future, but that's sort of like the 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 brass sort of like the the bullet points of of my history. I mean, Eddie, with you, you started around the Fire Emblem. You started the Game Boy Advance as well, right? I mean, yeah, I started with Game Boy Advance Fire Emblem. Um, I think I can't remember exactly, but I think it was Smash Brothers that got me into it. Uh, saw Marth, kind of liked Marth, and investigated him and found the Game Boy Advance game, uh, played it. I definitely recall getting through the um, Lynn storyline. I don't recall how far into Ellie what I got originally, 
but I enjoyed it. I think I did get Sacred Stones on Advance originally, uh, but don't recall how far I got into that because I'm not remembering much of that if I ever even got far. But for me, it's, it was years and years of never finishing the games. Um, then Awakening came around. I, uh, you know, don't know exactly what was happening, but I heard about it. But by the time I heard about it, it was already having the sold out issues. I checked a couple uh, GameStops near me and eventually just got it digitally, which turned out to be the better choice because while I played most of Awakening, I ended up stopping somewhere mid to late game. And then eventually, since I had it digitally, I went back and finished it. So, and I got Fates when it came out and been playing ever since. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's think, interesting uh, that you mentioned Three Smash. Houses might be one of the first ones that I um, ever straight up finished right when it came out. Oh, yeah, I think I think that, you know, I, I definitely finished the Game Boy Advance one and I think uh, then Awakening and, and Fate's birth, uh, Birthright. But then, yeah, Three Houses was the one I think I really, you know, put my head down and, and focused on finishing it. Um, but it's interesting you mentioned Smash because I think we've talked about this before. A, a lot of people's introduction to the characters was in Smash. And I I'm pretty sure... Uh, Smash Brothers Melee came out before the Game Boy Advance games. It might have been, I want to say, two thousand one or two thousand two that Melee came out. It was a December. Um, I know that much because I remember. I remember not owning the GameCube but renting it. We were getting it for Christmas, and my parents were like, "Okay, well, you can rent it to get a taste, but you know, you're getting this for Christmas." It, it was a weird scenario. We were like, "Well, we really want to try it, but we know we're getting it for Christmas." Um, but I was just going to look up because uh, I remember, you know, uh, Marth and Roy being in Melee and that being a lot of people, you know, saying, oh, who are these people? And I think I think there's even quotes out there where they say, like, Marth and Roy being in Super Smash Brothers was a was a core sort of reason for bringing bringing those games over from from Japan. And it was 2001. Um, two years before it came over to North America. So you're right. Like, in terms of an introduction, I remember Marth and Roy, me being, you know, curious about who these characters were, looking into it a little bit. And I think that might have bridged the gap over to Fire Emblem. But I don't think I made that connection because there was always that disconnect in like, okay, Marth and Roy, but Marth and Roy, uh, Marth definitely doesn't really have a connection to the GBA game, but Roy has a, you know, somewhat of a connection. And I think once I was in on the GBA version and then I finished it and they introduced Roy in like the epilogue of, you know, Hey, this is my son. I was like, Oh man, it's all connected, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was uh that was a big moment as well for me. But um, I, I think personally, you know, looking forward, you know, with Fire Emblem Heroes, like I want to see, we'll talk a lot about it today. Um, or a little bit about it, you know, I want to see more quality of life, I want to see more, you know, features and stuff, and, and I can forgive the game if, if it's a slower sort of additions over the next, you know, six to six to eight months with what's going on, um, I would not, I'm not going to hold it against it, but I want to continue to see this game, you know, flourish, but also I want to see, you know, after three, the success of Three Houses, I really want Nintendo, like, lean in on this franchise, and and uh, I know they gave it a lot of support with uh, Three Houses. They probably put a ton of money into the franchise for that game. But 
I want to, I don't know. I just want to see, I want to see some more, some more love to Fire Emblem games. I think they deserve it. It seemed like they got a ton of money out of uh, Three Houses. Sorry, you said they got a lot or that you didn't seem like they did? It seemed like they did. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, Three Houses is, aside from the complaint about Byleth being added to Smash, Three Houses is one of the biggest talked about Nintendo games of last year that I recall. Yeah. Not well, the, just Fire Emblem games in a while. Exactly. I don't think there's been, you know, this fever for Fire Emblem since Awakening, you know. Uh, and, and I think Awakening had, it's, it's kind of, they put everything into that game. And I think they did this with Three Houses as well, where they put everything into it and they just, they, they hit it out of the park. Um, and I think when Byleth got announced for Smash, I remember back when the last DLC character for the Wii U version, Wii U 3DS, was Corrin. And I remember the backlash there. Uh, I'm not saying there was no backlash for Byleth, but there was less back- backlash for Byleth. Uh, that could have been attributed to there being another wave of DLC coming, but I think that goes to show that maybe people were a little you know, cooler with Fire Emblem than they were back then. And I... I, I just want to see, you know, Three Houses, I would say, is like a good, here's a Fire Emblem for everyone. I hope that they get a little more experimental, like they did with the DLC, where a lot of people were, I never played it, but a lot of people were saying like, oh, this is very much a classic Fire Emblem experience. It'd be really good for them to, to see mm-hmm. them go, you know, uh, back and forth in terms of um, having Fire Emblem three houses then like a, a classic fire emblem experience like some sort of remake or something in the line of you know um shadows of valencia something more for the hardcores and then bounce back and do one for for everyone i mean it's a bit of a balance still act, holding but... out for an echoes and uh i would still love for it to be genealogy because one thing heroes has done for me is given me more info and you know characters that i never got to meet before and i'd really love to actually see their games yeah um and i don't know if i could manage to deal with them in their original formats but an updated version even if it like shadows of valentia even if it tried to keep the soul of the original version to it Mm. yeah but give you some updates so it's not like playing through sacred stones one of the things i couple of the things is like no ability to see everyone's attack range all your enemies attack ranges uh no prediction of how much healing you're gonna give and other minor things that it's like oh man it's so nice nowadays compared to how it was back then now that i look at it yeah well we're we're definitely feeling that (laughs) you know with sacred stones Mm and i think um i think yeah, I want to see a, a a remake of those games too because we're we're experiencing those characters and I'm I'm we're getting tastes of their story either through the flavor text or through just um you know uh, even through Discord forging of people bonds and yeah forging bonds is a great just, example for me like half the time I tend to look them up as either from hints in forging bonds or other things I'll look them up on the wiki so mm-hmm. yeah so I mean I'm. Oh, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, it sounds like this year is going to be the year of Mario because they're celebrating their 35th anniversary. Even though 30 is pretty big, you would think they'd throw Fire Emblem a bone outside of a, a just an event and a countdown on Twitter. But, you know, Nintendo does what Nintendo does. Um, we'll see what happens. Obviously, with E3 being canceled, uh, there's talk that Nintendo is going to be spreading out their announcements and whatnot. But we'll um, 
as soon as they have them, we will certainly share them and discuss them here. Hopefully we get some Fire Emblem uh, this year, although we did get Fire Emblem last year, so we don't want to necessarily uh, push this, it. This is a side question anyway, but yeah, why would Nintendo spread out their announcements because E3 is canceled? Their announcements had very little to do with E3 because it was always that it's been a direct for the past five years. I think... Um... I don't know. It's just something that comes to mind in the sense that there's no need for Nintendo to try to compete with everybody now. Like they can kind of spread the butter across the toast as opposed to just slamming a bit of jam in the middle and being like, yo, eat your toast. I don't know. Um, that's a terrible analogy. But um, I just think that it'll be interesting to see what Nintendo does. Like, I think not only the fact you have E3 sort of being canceled, you also have the fact that uh, this is a new console generation. Nintendo might want to save some of their salvos to to be like, okay, let's let's hold on to this Metroid announcement and wait until you know Xbox announces their price. Like, I have no idea. I think you know Nintendo does their own thing, but they they still are wary of what their competitors are doing. Or I could be proved completely wrong. And Eddie, you you're probably right. They'll just dump it all the the week around E3, you know, uh, because Nintendo doesn't have to worry about it. I mean, I guess there's still, there's usually some announcements in the Treehouse thing, and they might spread those out, but the Nintendo Direct, I see no reason for them to have to change anything about the Nintendo Direct. Yeah. Whether the release date, the content, or any of that, because it's already set up, and theoretically, it's already well into production, so, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, we'll have to see uh, how things go, but yeah, I I think if we were, I, I... yeah, it'll. I don't know. It it'll be really interesting. I think Nintendo is playing very quiet now. They did like a semi Nintendo Direct, like maybe last late last month, and it was very just like, here's some odds think, and ends. Yep, I think they usually do one like that, but around there. But yeah, they did a small mini Nintendo Direct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But. Well, we will. Uh, we will keep an eye out. But uh, that's. That's sort of our, uh, yeah, 100 episodes. We just uh, had a quick chat about Fire Emblem, but on to the normal programming that you all know and love, including some banner updates. We've got a weekly Revival Banner 6 running right now. Heroes with odd wave skills going till the 24th of April. Double special heroes going till the 28th. Journey begins till the 30th. And now we're getting into May. Tempest Trials until the 1st of May. And the start of it all until May 20th, which is the banner we're going to be talking about today and eddie did you do some uh, summoning in that new banner uh yes i did um first off i did get a um male byleth off of the uh odd wave skills i think it is or maybe it was the one before odd wave skills and odd wave skills started after but i did get a random male byleth uh but beyond that uh it's me so of course i dove deep into the new special Heroes banner. I uh, got a couple early Marths at four stars, uh, followed by a pity break of a flying Olivia. Uh, shortly after, I did manage to get the White Wing trio. Uh, after that, I ended up getting pity broken by Hilda. Uh, and another pity break came after that with Hubert, although um, I can't remember if it was with Hubert that Merrick showed up or if it was a five-star Marth that I got on the same ring as Merrick. But I did manage to get Merrick in a five-star version of the Marth. Nice. Um, also ended up getting a Fina pity break. Uh, that was when I was getting down in orbs and about to have to 
call it for now. Uh, that or spend spend buy more orbs, which I was trying to avoid doing, considering the situation going on in the world. Uh, and actually, the very ring after I got Fina pity breaking me, I managed to get Sita. So save me having to debate whether or not I was going to get more orbs. Nice. So you got a full round. That's not too bad. Got a full round. I believe my um, white wing trio was pure neutral. Everyone else was pretty much minus HP. Okay. At least it felt that way. <laughs> well, I th- I think it's great that you got your you got what you were looking for. I uh, I personally have been struggling with summoning lately. Just my luck has been absolute terrible. But happy to report that it's back. <laughs> you know, I, I was worried about this banner cause I, I think I saw the characters and I saw the, the, um, the duo hero, which is a trio hero. And we'll talk about the sisterly trio later on in the show. But I was like, okay, I, I need that hero. Uh, you know, just like the Hector duo, it's like, okay, this is adorable. Um, plus it's three characters instead of two. So of course it's unique. We gotta get at, we gotta get at this. Um, and I still like all the other characters in the banner too. I think they're all really cool. Um, Marth is is interesting. You know, the, the, what do they call him? Pantsless Marth. Is that the sort of the joke? Yeah. Yeah. He's not wearing. It's not that he's not wearing pants. He's just well, he's not. But he's wearing another piece of clothing. It's just not pants. I think people need to it's cut got his spanks on. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but I did go into the summoning and I was pulling blue and red because I figured, hey um you know pump up the pump up the pity rate uh or sorry the the um the uh, appearance percentage and maybe get a four-star mark four-star mark yeah Yeah, i was thinking about that but i ended up after about 50 orbs i ended up getting the uh, sisterly trio so i was pretty stoked about that i got the character i was looking for and i'm probably gonna hold off until uh until we some people in the reddit were saying like oh well keep in mind you know you've got golden week coming up You've got the mythic banner or legendary banner. I think it's sweet legendary. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I'm I'm gonna hold off for now. I've got about a hundred and so orbs. We got a tempest trial starting soon, so I just want to like kind of pump the brakes a bit. This banner's around till you know literally a month from now, so I'm not in any rush to to dump all my orbs to try to get a Marth. Um, but uh, I might return later on. We shall see. Uh. One thing I wanted to talk about, specifically about this banner, before we jump in and talk about each individual hero, was the fact that we now have confirmation. And and again, like I think it on my part, and Eddie, you tried to temper expectations, but on my part, I was like, I really want to see them extend the free summon after forty summons to the special banners. And we we dug into that text, and then you were saying pretty clearly states new heroes, and it's not like they're not capital those are capitalized new hero banners meaning exactly what it says it's kind of the situation of they always call the you know normal pool summon pool for hero banners new hero banners and they call these special hero banners so the fact that specifically said new hero banners Mm -hmm. yeah well i mean it still it was a real bummer to see that it wasn't there uh i think that you know, even though my luck has returned a little bit here, it's just I feel like there was just one additional step that that intelligence systems need to take and was to uh, sort of extend that 40 summon free summon to the special banners as well. 
in the sense that those are the two categories of heroes you're going for. You know, the legendary mythic banners, those are already very um, generous with their 8%. So I'm fine with that. You know, you've got the, I know you have the double, you know, special hero focus, but it's just, I don't know. Was it too much to ask? I guess Uh, we'll see. Do I feel like they'll add it later on as like a, here we're doing this now? Probably, but it's still a bummer to see it on one side and not the other because I would think it'd be, I don't know. If they, I'm hoping they will, but if they add it later on, it'll be a, uh, the features being extended into special hero banners now. Yeah. Type situation or extended to wherever they extend it to. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not surprised. Like I said, I was the one who was looking at seeing it saying new heroes. I was fairly certain that it was not going to be on these ones. Uh, Mythic and Legendary, it makes sense if only for the number of heroes on there and just the smaller pool of what you're going for. And yeah, the 8% with no pity breaks uh, probably also affects that. Uh, Double special heroes, it kind of sort of makes sense if only for the number of heroes on that one. I mean, I would have no objection of them putting it on all the other banners, even if I don't use, you know, don't use it up on most of them. Mm -hmm. But I see no reason not to put it on the revival banners or the special, you know, skill banners. Yeah. I mean, I I think it should be, it should just be, it should just be a feature, you know, and um, Mm -hmm. I think people, people are going to buy orbs if they're going to buy orbs. I don't think the 40 summon feature is stopping people from buying orbs because I I think think the 40 summon feature will entice people to buy orbs. Let's say you had never gotten classic Minerva. Sure. Who's still a five-star only unit. If the Tempest Trials banner that has Marth, Sita, and Minerva, I think that's who it was. I'd have to double check. Um, had that feature on there, someone who really wanted Minerva might be enticed to spend 135 orbs to guarantee themselves a Minerva. If they get it before then, great. They save some orbs. But you know, if I'm guaranteed to get the Minerva that I want, why not spend the money you know that's a very good point i think you're absolutely so, right um you can look at it both ways and i think but i but i agree with you i think your side of it is is more of a compelling argument and that if i really want uh, a character that doesn't get a lot of love in terms of you know on a on a banner that's a guaranteed if i only have to summon up to 40 summons like that's I'm considering that a free buying a free hero, and and I think they've I I know they've done the math to say like okay like how many orbs does a person need? Let's make it forty so that you know from a free to play perspective, maybe they feel people have about a hundred orbs at a time. So forty summons, I think, is like sniping. It's like someone was saying it's like one sixty or something. There's some sniping, logic. There. I think I think worse luck sniping was one ninety five max. Yeah, but if you do full rings, I think it's like roughly 135 mm-hmm. something like that which you know is one of the 75 dollar u.s orb bundles so if they get you to buy a 75 dollar orb bundle they just made that money you know yeah so i mean 
we'll see what we'll see what comes of it. Um, as of right now, it's not there. Uh, I don't I don't know if it's a, a big enough deal where people are you know burning things down. It's just kind of like it's a bummer. And uh, I think, I mean, my hope, my best hope, is that this is a test case. You know, uh, someone said they think that you know, uh, in Discord, I don't remember who it was who said it. They think that they're doing it on the new hero banners because they're getting to more obscure characters. But I don't see that. There's still plenty of characters that people have been begging for for years that are get high but not high enough on the Choose Your Legends polls and stuff like that that still aren't in there or still have only one version. They still want more versions that I'm not so sure that they're getting into the as obscure characters. I mean... Maybe Forest and Midori were a little more obscure. If you didn't uh, use Leo and get him married off, or get Kaze married off to get those children characters, but Rinka was a pretty big one. Lilith were both characters that everyone who played Fates encountered. You know, I don't know their exact popularity level, but it's not like they're characters no one's ever heard of. So I mean, I think you know. I'm hoping this is a test case to see how it works, and if it works well, maybe I'm hoping they'll extend it to other places. Yeah, well, I mean, they've got all that data. That's that's part of running a successful free-to-play game is to look at the the trends. So, yeah. um, I, I think that's a good way to look at it as well. You know, calm, even keel. This is a test. Let's see where it goes, and uh, we'll follow it from from here on out. So. We do have Ellywood coming out in about four days, and I admit I screwed up. Uh, when I picked up the Fae Pass for the previous month, I forgot to go in and cancel it right away. So I ended up getting another month of Fae Pass, so I'll definitely be getting Ellywood. Not that that was ever in question. I was going to get him afterwards anyway. But No, yeah. So, yep, but I remember to cancel it now, so next month I'll be able to maximize my money and get three resplendence for the following one. Oh, there you go. But speaking of, if you're considering picking it up, if you don't have it right now, we are starting a Tempest Trials tomorrow morning, or this coming morning, the 21st. Uh, we have a Bound Hero Battle with Ryoma and Sakura, as well as a banner to go with it, coming on the 22nd. The And then the uh, 30th Anniversary Illusory Dungeon on the 23rd. Heroes with Solo Skills banner coming when the Odd Wave Skills 1 ends on the 24th. Uh, as well as a return of the Three Heroes quests on the 25th. I uh, wonder if we're going to have some of those new three-star heroes brought in there. Uh, and a new round of Hall of Forms for which we got a new former Soul Pack launching today uh, starting on the 26th. Good stuff. A lot of fun. All right. Yep. Uh, a lot of good stuff on the way. Um, we're about to move in here, and we're going to talk about the 30th anniversary banner, which launched this morning, as of this recording, uh, titled The Start of It All. And uh, just like in Smash Brothers, as we discussed at the top of the show, let's start it with Marth. Yes, Marth, Legacy Hero. We launch into the new banner with the first Lord of the uh, Fire Emblem series. And I glimpse, get a glimpse of him as a young boy before even the prologue and everything happens. 
as confirmed by Shireen, if you looked up the, uh, you know, Meet the Heroes with Shireen stuff. Mark returns again in all his 1990 game manual-inspired glory. Uh, though new co- coat of paint makes uh, sure that it's quite clear that he is wearing his Spanx at this point. Uh, as a red sword infantry unit, he is wielding a uh, traditional starting weapon of many lords throughout the series, the rapier, uh, which, like in most of its appearances, is effective against both armored and cavalry units. Uh, we'll just not mention that Sacred Stone's changing up the formula there. Uh, and there might be other games that change up the formula like that too, but uh, it also grants speed plus three and gives him the desperation effect of using... Um, getting to do all his attacks before his foe can counterattack if his health is at or below 75%. Uh, he does have a new special called Hero's Blood. It boosts his damage by 30% of his speed, and after combat grants him and his allies plus 4 to the uh, main combat stacks, attack, defense, speed, and resistance. Uh, post-combat buff activates even if he is defeated during combat, if he falls to 0 HP during combat. Uh, he also has another new skill, this one being a new Oath skill, uh, where if he is next to him at the start of his turn, or start of the turn, he gets a boost of plus 5 to the appropriate stat. Uh, this case, it is Speed Defense Oath. Uh, so those are the stats that boost it. He also comes with Chill Defense, uh, and since he is the 4-star focus of the banner, um, the only skill that is not locked behind locked to 5 stars is Chill Defense. Uh, and while Rapier and Hero's Blood are both locked to 5 stars, they are also um, exclusive, not inheritable. So. Mm-hmm. And the interesting part about this is that this character is accessible at four stars and i think a lot of people were uh were surprised by that he's he seems pretty he's pretty packed uh to the guilds i haven't haven't double checked the stats but his exclusive skills seem pretty powerful you know especially that new type of special um uh, it's unique to him or it is uh non-inheritable but that's pretty powerful a boost based on his speed and it grants plus four to attack, defense, resistance, and speed for him and his allies, even if he gets defeated in the combat. Mm-hmm. You know? So. Yeah, no, I... So. He's, uh... And this is the thing, like, I'm, I'm looking at his, at his art, and I really love the way they've captured um, these, these younger versions of our heroes. And... Yeah, he looks great. I mean, uh, you know, he's not, he doesn't look as silly as like the classic art of like the quote unquote pantsless Marth. Like he clearly looks like he's wearing, yeah, he's just wearing shorts and he's got a tunic. It's, it's fine. Everyone's going to survive. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've been hearing a lot about him being pretty OP for being available at four stars, but I mean, it's Marth. I mean, it's a 30th anniversary celebration. This is something to, to, you know, to be, to be happy about. So I'm glad that. I'm glad that he's going to be available at four stars. I think by the end of my summon session, I had gotten four spare uh, four-star Marths. And wow. I'm thinking I'm probably just going to go ahead and boost them and merge them with him because, yeah, he is pretty powerful for a four-star, and he can have a plus four right away since I got a... Um, I mean, I haven't double-checked what Game Press and them say, 
but mm-hmm. seeing as so much of his stuff is based off of speed, the fact that I have a plus speed Marth is probably a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I you think know? so. Yeah, I mean, uh, the fact that you got four uh, spares, I'm actually kind of mm-hmm. tempted to jump back in and at least try to get him at, at four stars. And I mean, mm-hmm. um, he shares a he and shares a color 80, with thousand feathers. I have to spend, but yeah. yeah. Oh man, for some reason feathers. Oh, yeah, just, the only uh, reason I got four spares is because you know I was trying to get Sita there. Yeah, and I was just about to say she she shares color with Marth. So Sita, Princess of Talus. I just said Sita. Is it Sita? No, I'm yes. not sure. Okay, Sita. Uh, I had to question the, myself the there. Japanese version is Shida, S H I I D A, and I've heard that this one is supposed to be pronounced Sita. Yeah. So. Well, Sita, like Caesar. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. For for sure, Caesar, Sita, and also I remember them pronouncing it in Fire Emblem Warriors, right? And I was like, oh, Sita. Uh, But Sita has been an exceptionally kind princess ever since she was a child. Of course, kindness isn't Sita's only good quality. She's trained hard in the art of war from an early age, and I'm told she's also dreamed of becoming a great Pegasus knight. And that's no different with the younger version of Sita in Fire Emblem Heroes as a red sword flyer uh, wielding feather sword, which grants attack plus three, is effective against, wait for it, sword, lance, axe, colorless bow, and uh, armored units. Now, I, I pause there a little bit. That's that's colorless bow. It doesn't actually state bow in general, so I'm. it might not be, she might not be effective against all bow types, just the colorless version. Um so dagger units make it out of here alive, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I guess uh, tome users. But um, finally, if foe initiates combat and is armored or uses a sword, lance, axe, or colorless bow, or if unit's HP is at 75% or less, unit can counterattack before foe's first unit's or first attack. She has a new skill in the B slot called Belief in Love, where if foe initiates combat or if foe's HP is equal to 100% at start of combat, inflicts attack slash defense minus five on foe during combat rounding out her kit is moonbow as a special distant counter in the a slot and joint hone attack in the c slot um she seems pretty pretty uh where'd she get that weapon uh is what mm-hmm. i'd like to know because this this feels like a first yeah i think so i mean there's been defensive skills that are based off of the weapon that an enemy is using Mm-hmm. but this is you know first one that's had advantage against those yeah it's rather or interesting against those yeah i mean from a from a 30th anniversary again from a 30th anniversary celebration these these are pretty stacked oh, yeah. heroes it's quite clear that they were given kind of giving them special treatment since it is the 30th anniversary units yeah and i think uh i don't know if you played up. I don't know if you played the the paralog that came along with this banner, but essentially they hand wave them being so powerful away because they basically say, well, Thor gave them all their power. And it's like, oh, okay, I see. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's it's a bit hand wavy, but you're right. Like it's a cool concept to to have these younger versions of our heroes, but also make them viable. Because honestly, if they did it by the books, it's like, okay, here's here's the level, you know, minus 10 of the characters you know and love. Have fun with them being you know a pool noodle with some of these non-inheritable skills they might become more than viable they might become become you know kind of 
key points of various uh, setups. It's possible. For sure. So, speaking of those uh, non-inheritable special uh, skills that have been added into this game that are pretty powerful, uh, we have Merrick Changing Winds. A childhood friend of Martha and Elise, Merrick has always shown a skill for magic. And here we see him before he heads to train in Kadeen, joining as a green infantry tome unit. His weapon, Winds of Change, is effective against flyers and boosts his special cooldown. It also grants him attack and speed plus five, while neutralizing effects that guarantee a foe's follow-up or prevent his follow-up if his health is above 50%. Uh, he has, or if he has a bonus, uh, like from Rally or Hone skills. Uh, he has a new unique special that I was uh, hinting at called Righteous Wind. It boosts his damage by 30% of his speed uh, and restores 10 hit, ten health to unit and all allies after combat, even if he falls to 0 HP during combat. Uh, at that point, it's only for the allies, because I believe he is still considered defeated at that point. Uh, he does not have any other new skills, but does have Swiss, Swift Sparrow, Wind Sweep, and Distant Guard. So... We got Merrick with built-in healing on his special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, man, I'll be honest with you. Uh, even if he was, like, the best unit in the world, <laughs> I, I don't really have an interest in Merrick. He's kind mm-hmm. of a, he's kind of the throwaway mage from, from that game. I mean, sorry, he's not a throwaway mage. But to me, it's like, oh, that's the mage of the game? Okay. Like, he's not he's – not to me, it all comes down to character. So when oh, I see yeah. when I saw Merrick on the banner, I was like, "All right, I know who I'm not summoning for." Like everybody else's okay. top tier, you know, priority character from from Shadow Dragon, and uh, and yeah, Merrick's just he's the odd one out. Even Minerva being the Tempest Trials unit, I'm like sold. Minerva's great, you know, but Merrick, it's like, eh, I don't know. I mean, and yeah, for someone like you and. To a smaller degree, me, although I'm, you know, obsessive, especially about special hero banners of collecting everyone. Um, Merrick is probably, you know, unless you really love Merrick, he is probably lower tier. But if you're a min-maxer, I mean, I once again, I haven't checked his stats, but it looks like he has a lot of stuff that'll keep his speed up and... That special that can heal you up in a pinch could be very useful, you know? Yeah. Oh, like I said, I mean, it's great that he's he's got some powerhouse skills. But, no, I, I mean, I don't want to upset the Merrick fans out there. But, uh, yeah, no, I think I think you're right in that you're, you're collecting all these heroes because they're all, they've all got, like, a stellar build. And, I mean, um I mean, even Minerva has a pretty stellar build for a Tempest Trolley unit. Yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah, Minerva, I I was hearing that she was also fantastic. So it's kind of like, you can't go wrong. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I think that's where we finally see, like, okay, you know, Intelligent Systems is really celebrating a 30th anniversary with these heroes because they haven't left anybody out. Normally, there'd be, like, one or two heroes that are like, okay, clearly this guy got the short end of the stick. But when Merrick gets a powerhouse skill, I mean, that's pretty... I would have, you know, 
any other day I would have expected Merrick to be the four-star demote, right? Or the four-star yeah. unit. But yeah, it's I think it's great. It's awesome. It sounds like a stellar skill, like healing up and whatnot. That sounds fantastic. And I mean, um yeah, there's there's no pathetic archers here. Yeah. I mean, when Python came out, this was before they were doing the four-star focus stuff. You look at his skills, it's like he is 99% guaranteed to be demoted. Mm-hmm. For sure. After the banner ends, and he was. Yeah. And, well, so, I mean, you know, speaking of just wildness and uh, and out-of-left-field kind of things, um, we've got a duo hero on the banner, which is actually technically a, a trio uh, we've got Paula, uh, the sisterly trio, continuing the trend of bringing kids onto the battlefield. The uh, Macedonian White Wings do not disappoint as Katria carries Est into battle. Paula, uh, on the other hand, is a blue lance flyer wielding white down spear, which grants attack plus three. If the number of flying units on team is three or more and unit initiates combat, inflicts attack slash defense minus four on foe during combat. Uh, and unit makes a guaranteed follow-up attack. If the number of flying allies within two spaces is two or more and unit initiates combat, unit attacks twice. The trio has a new skill in the B slot called Chill Attack Slash Speed 2, where uh, at start of turn inflicts attack slash speed minus 5 on foe on the enemy team with the highest attack plus speed total through its next action. For their duo skill, at the start of odd-numbered turns, when used, grants self and all adjacent flyers one extra move, and unlike other duo skills, I, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't. I, I've I've not been deep in the duo stuff, but this is one of the one of the only ones that resets in battle. Um, okay. Um. So I don't know uh, where you got the info from. Uh, maybe it was some bad translating from Serene's Forest. Uh, pulling up here just to verify I word it correctly, but it's not only accessible on odd number skills odd number turns i think with the in- activate the duo skill at any time but on odd number turns at the start of odd number turns it resets okay yeah because that's that was the confusion i was having is uh is i was trying to like okay this seems weird and i looked at the video description and and then i watched the video and it does say that yeah you can use it whenever but it resets on odd number turns so i think um again we love serene's forest but serene's forest i think they tried to simplify it in saying that at the start of odd numbered turns when used grant self and all adjacent flyers one extra move but really you can use it whenever you want but it resets on odd numbered turns so you can use it on even you could use it on an even turn but then it resets on the odd like could you use it twice in a row in that effect theoretically here we are i got it let me read it right off yeah unit essentially when you Use the duo skill. Unit and adjacent allies can move one extra... Adjacent flying allies can move one extra space. Unit can move one extra space even if adjacent ally is not a flying ally. That turn only. Does not stack. At start of odd-numbered turns, if duo skill has already been used, unit can use duo skill again. So I don't know if it fully refreshes at the start of odd-numbered turns or if it's just at the on odd number turns after you've used it you can use it again okay so so i mean they just they just tried to simplify it and they kind of borked it in the process yeah so i apologize for that folks but um rounding out their kit is reposition as an assist 
mirror impact in the a slot and goad flyers in the c slot um so that's that's our first trio hero continuing the tradition of bringing children onto onto the battlefield um i mean if you look at when these characters are supposed to be set pretty much most of them other than maybe pala and minerva are children mm-hmm. so. i mean they're all yeah they're all children and um I just uh, for personally, again, uh, it, even though I will say like I'm not I'm not a huge fan of you know anime art where the nose is so small you don't see it. I mean I know they're kids so their noses are very not pronounced, but um, other than that, like I think it's a it's a it's a solid uh, solid artwork. And I mean to to put all three of the heroes together is kind of an interesting touch because I mean they are a trio, right? They, they're they are the trio of heroes so i think it's really cool that they put them all in in together and this probably was the only banner where you could do that in the sense that like well it's a duo hero and est and katria are kind of are kind of one unit uh so to speak and paula is the uh or paula is the uh the leader i could see them maybe doing this with some of the other trios even with them all grown up type thing but this was one of the easier ways to do that you know get the whole white wing trio in and since they're already de-aging them to well before the events of the game uh you can make you know pala and or katria and est be young enough that est is being you know is carryable age Mm. you know yeah i think it's it's awesome that they put them in there and, and as soon as i watched the banner i'm like well okay i gotta summon these guys because it's just such a unique take right yep and yes you are right uh estes quite estes and uh, the whole trio is quite adorable mm-hmm. so and finally filling out with the tempest trial unit we have minerva the princess knight a young knight of macedon who has grown up idolizing the ideals at her Brother Michalis has appeared to represent. Minerva joins us from a time when she was younger, like all the other units in the banner, uh, as the Tempest Trial units, and is a green axe flyer. She wields the unique Dragoon Axe, which boosts her special cooldown. If her opponent is at full health at the start of combat, gives her a plus four to her combat stats uh, and slows their cooldown by one per attack. She also has the unique skill of Dragoon Shield, which protects her against effective from flying bonuses and grants her a plus three to her combat stats. Uh, being a Tempest Trial unit, she has no other new skills, uh, although that's quite a lot for a Tempest Trial unit already, uh, and does have Draconic Aura as her special in Flyer Formation. Sweet deal. Sweet deal indeed. Yep. But yeah, as you said, pretty stacked for a, a free Tempest yeah. Trials unit. Built-in Iota Shield in there, so good stuff which is nice yeah and she'll be uh accessible oh gosh we just mentioned it the tempest trial starts tomorrow so you'll be able to uh earn your free minerva starting uh tomorrow in tempest or or depending on when you're listening started this morning or earlier in the week yeah i mean we could go down the list but we're already running long so let's keep going let's move into the outrealm gate i hope you all enjoyed that rundown of of the uh heroes in which we all started with uh 
And uh, yeah, let's get into the Outroom Gate because we've got Game Club to talk about. We're continuing our adventures in Sacred Stones. We're going to talk about Chapter 11 in case you forgot. Both Eddie and I have split the roots. Um, and we are doing both Ephraim and Erica. So we're going to talk about both Chapter 11s that take place in this game. And I'll kick us off with Ephraim's side of the story. General Dussel tells them of the uh, tells the team of the enigmatic Darkstone, the product of Grado's research into the dark arts. The Darkstone possesses power far beyond that of the sacred stones. According to the rumors swirling about, Vigard's descent into madness coincides with the creation of the Darkstone. Ephraim must confirm the existence of the Darkstone. He decides to travel to Grado by sea. Midway through their passage, however, an eerie fog begins to form, and out of the fog comes gargoyles, floating eyes, and skeleton warriors. Oh my! A ship of skeleton warriors shows up around turn two on this map, setting up an interesting defense setup where three planks connect the two vessels. On turn five, Larachelle and Dozla show up to assist, and at the end of the chapter, they both join the cause. Um, I actually worked Ephraim across the ship onto their ship to talk to them and recruit them. I'm not sure if you don't get a chance to recruit them in the map. They probably still join your cause uh, because the story did end with them again joining your cause. So I was a little confused by that. But um, I was really happy to see that, in at least in my chapter, that Larachelle and Dozla stopped playing hard to get and actually join your team. Um, and, uh, you know, I always dig a good defense map. I, I like... That's one of my favorite parts about Fire Emblem is like having your two or three really strong units and just placing them in a bottleneck and just reliving 300 and, and healing up those mm-hmm. characters and, and just feeling like a like a tank, right? But um, where I struggled in the map was that there was flying units that would pop up. Uh, I had upgraded, I think, Van- I want to say her name is Vanessa. Uh, that could be wrong. It's definitely a... a uh, a flyer starting with a V. I upgraded her to a Falcon Knight. Vanessa. Yeah, it it seems to be right in my mind, but I upgraded her so she was a little more powerful to go take out a lot of the flying units like the floating eyes and the gargoyles. But I didn't really realize what was happening when I moved her past the boat, and I realized, oh shit! Like the actual boss monster spawned um, just outside the, our boat range. So uh, I I almost lost her at the very end of the map, which was very uh, distressing. Um, but I did make it through it, and all in all, like I said, I love a good defense map. I love a good like bottleneck map, and this boat, this uh, the the phantom phantom boat, did not disappoint for sure. So where exactly did they, uh, Larachelle and Dozla show up from? Did they like show up on the? ghost ships magically or did another ship show up with them so they so they actually so essentially they showed up in their own boat so you have your boat and then they you have the skeleton boat to your right and then you know it starts another story uh sort of exchange and Ephraim's like oh there's another boat coming and the boat comes in on the other side of the skeleton boat and it's larachelle and dozla i mean they just seem to kind of show up out of nowhere um but uh, Dozla is just this, he's a powerhouse. He would just take on anything. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was pretty pretty crazy. Um, you know, before I did the chapter, I, I went through and did some random encounters to kind of beef up some of my characters after last episode. And I also, uh, I also did the tower. Um, when I did the training tower, I thought, okay, maybe this is like the arena where you just go until you quit. But it actually booted me out after three maps. So... 
it was it wasn't um it wasn't difficult but the third map certainly required me to have some some sort of like making sure people weren't gonna get overwhelmed um they do let you change out your heroes every level so you could effectively bring in your lower level characters level them up on the first map then swap them out for more powerful characters as you move forward uh the one thing i didn't like about the tower is that there wasn't enough rewards so if you're going okay. in there and you're training and you don't have the money and you're burning through your your weapons you could run into an issue there where yeah you have strong characters but suddenly you don't have weapons right <laughs> um so you got to be careful hard to fight <laughs> yeah well it's it's you know it's a balancing act right so i i did notice that yeah. and i was like okay i have to use this resource sparingly both in terms of time i can commit to the game and also the fact that i don't want to burn through all my you know, steel weapons and end up having to use iron weapons in the final map. Um, but yeah. uh, luckily, La Rochelle, I sold off her. She came with a gem. And I'm like, well, you're, you've joined the cause. Pony up, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I sold one of her gems for like 10,000 uh, gold. So I'm I'm good. My coffers have been refilled. And uh, yeah, really much, very much enjoying the game. Um, I'm digging the characters and uh I haven't had a lot of opportunity to build like support between the characters. Have you seen a lot of support conversations happening? Not really. Yeah. Um, it seems like, you know, it's, it's the old system where they have to be on the map together and possibly whether it's fighting in enough battles together to activate it or fighting next to each other enough, like more recent ones. But if you don't, if you don't have the characters walk up to each other they're you're never going to upgrade those supports. So, Yeah. I just have some spare time to wander around and see who you can talk to. I know. I'm probably not going to get much support in this game. Yeah. I feel like I need to kind of pay more attention to that and start pairing characters up. I know you can't like physically pair them up, but like just keeping them close by as they fight just to kind of get some of those stat boosts. But uh, I I haven't yet. Okay. Yeah, I did not get to any of the uh, tower training or random encounters, Uh, but... For my uh, chapter 11, uh, we head into the mountain pass through Carci- uh, to get through Carcino quicker. Uh, we come across an abandoned fort that has been overrun with abominations. Uh, about the t- same time as we arrive on one side, essentially before the map even starts, uh, Dozla and Larachelle arrive at a different entrance. Uh, this is a fog of war map, so I can't really see the monsters in there. Uh, we do fight through the monsters, eventually joining up with Larachelle and Dozla. And after the battle, she is certain you are destined to find each other, and she was sent to join you. Uh, so she joins up with you. Uh, I managed to recruit them halfway through like you. And yeah, Dozla was a beast. Uh, they started surrounded by a bunch of the skeleton guys, and they run in, and he didn't care. Sword or lance, he just smacked them down. It's like, back it up. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't play. Yeah, um, he's a powerhouse for sure. Oh yeah, uh, we reach Ewan's master after uh, at the end of the map after you complete it, and he agrees to let us follow him through the mountains since he was going that way anyway on a mission. Uh, but upon your departure the next morning, because he has you rest the night, Glenn shows up, and after listening to Erica's side of things, uh, plans to go back and get answers from the emperor as to what's going on. Before he can, however, Walter shows up, explaining his burning desire for revenge against Glenn and Dussel 
after he was kicked out of being one of Grado's three generals for slaughtering innocent people, where he proceeds to uh, seemingly kill Glenn. Um, as far as I know, Glenn might actually be dead. I He might show back up as a recruitable or a join you, but, you know, it who's, who's definitely Glenn? And why am, why am... He's one of the generals. Oh, okay. A Wyvern general that's not an evil bastard like Walter. Oh. So... So yeah, oh yeah, we talked a little bit about that um, a few episodes ago where like, uh, I think it was our conversation about Fire Emblem Evil Faces and, and he's one of the, Dussel was another one that didn't have that evil face. So he's like, he's still a bad yeah. guy, but he's like, oh, you know, he's conflicted. But like, I'm not sure can... bad guy is the right wording, but he's on the side of, he's a loyal Grado general, but you know, his king, as you said, with the Dark Stone has shifted his you know behavior so he no longer fits in with the country that grado is turning turning into uh, and yeah uh Walter then sends a bunch of wyvern riders after erica and crew mm-hmm. so yeah i had also i also had laura showing those that joined me uh, i was a, more of a straightforward kill all enemies but like i said it was a fog of war map um i have taken to using the we use restore point feature and in doing so i was able to red uh fix a mid-map faux pas where a hidden archer in the fog of war took out tana on me uh so i had moved a bunch of characters to where i thought they would be safe and then a monster came up unlocked a door and an archer came up and took her out so uh larachelle came with a torch staff which was a nice it's a it allowed me to set a uh, torch point in the distance so I could reveal further out areas. Yeah, I used the so. torch in my map as well, and that... Um, oh, yours was Fog of War as well? Well, it, yeah, sorry, it was a Fog of War, and I think I picked up a torch staff in the last map, so I gave it to okay. one of my characters, and, and it proved invaluable, because honestly, like, you couldn't see what was on the ship that was attacking you, you couldn't see what was off your ship to the side, and and yeah. I should have used it more, even though I was using it, because I had that boss character sort of pop up on me, right? Yep. So. Yeah, mine is, like, I'm fighting through, trying to make sure I get all the chests that are on the map. Uh, and it's like, okay, there's no one else seems to be coming at me, and there's still... Map's not over. All right. Sorry. Throw the torch out there. Ah, there you are hiding down in the corner. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it sounds uh, it's it's interesting that we both had Larishelle and Dozla join us at the same exact time. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that's interesting. It could be something with their power level. Yeah, maybe yeah, they just want to. Could wanna... be that some characters they can fiddle with their strength in it, or exactly when you pick them up is a little more flexible, but. It's like, okay, these two characters would be about the right power level to join you at this point. Mm. Well, yeah, yeah it's, uh, again, are you, and it's, and, you know, um, uh, I, you, you may have mentioned it, but you have it in the notes here. I'm really glad you're using the Wii U Restore Point feature because you should use every tool you have at your disposal, you know? Uh, yeah. I, I'm using portability to my disposal, and you're using uh, Restore Points. I I carry no ill will when it comes to that, for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm the type of gamer that in these older games would replay a chapter to recover a character with the restore point. I don't have to replay a full chapter if I, you know, I can just go back a couple turns. Kind of, kind of similar to um, the Sothis ability and the Mila's turn wheel, but less flexible. I don't pick where I go back to. I unless I save every time I move someone. And even then, I can only go up to the most recent. So, mm-hmm. good stuff, man. Well, I mean, I'm I'm really excited that we're uh, I'm really enjoying Sacred Stones. So I I hope folks are enjoying our our play by play. We'll be back next episode uh, with Chapter Twelve as we continue down the Ephraim Erica roots for Sacred Stones. But uh, that's gonna do it for the episode. We're all done. We're all wrapped up. A hundred episodes. Good to go. Uh, Eddie, Eddie, any final uh, words before we, we jump out of here? You're bringing that back, are you? No, I'm not. <laughs> I just felt, I just, I just curious. Is 100 episodes drop some wisdom on us? Well, if I get some wisdom, I'll be sure to drop it on <laughs> you. know what? It's my fault for uh, putting all this pressure on you. Like, essentially, yeah. Uh, it's all good. But that was pretty good, though. You saved yourself. It's all good. Um, you can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com slash Faye. Email the show, Faye at gamersinpodcast.com. Check out the Fire Emblem channel in the Gamers in Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Eddie and I are always in there. We're always talking about Fire Emblem. Um, we're going to need uh, we're gonna need people in there to chat about Fire Emblem because we're coming up against uh, some Dragalia Lost uh, Fire Emblem crossover. So it's going to be a lot of Dragalia Lost talk. And we all know Eddie's a big fan. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I, it still takes up like 10 gigs on my phone, so I don't know how it does it, but it does it. So we'll be talking about that, uh, amongst other things, including the, the additional 30th anniversary celebrations. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can find myself at R. Murphy, Eddie at Drell Fear, and don't forget to follow at the Gamers Inn for show updates. That's going to do it for this episode of Summoner's Call. Have a great week and happy summoning. Mm-hmm.